You know, there truly is something enthralling about cryptids. I put up a poll this morning asking what type of stories you would like me to read for today's upload, and everyone overwhelmingly voted for cryptid encounter horror stories. So here we are once again trying to slap up some crazy monsters in the woods and not die. Welcome back to the swamp my friends and welcome if you are new. Today I'm going to be sharing some creepy and allegedly true cryptid encounter horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. Or if you're on Reddit, you can submit it at r slash thedarkswamp. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in this great swamp we have. So without further ado, let's jump right into these creepy and allegedly true cryptid encounter horror stories. The Michigan Gator Man by Certified Burger. Now before I begin this story, let me first start by clarifying that alligators are not native to Michigan, which is what made me so skeptical about believing this legend until I had an in-person encounter with him. The Michigan Gator Man. A little backstory on my family. We recently purchased a house in a small town in Michigan's Upper Thumb, Caseville, Michigan was a quiet beach town famously known for its cheeseburger festival. It seemed like a family-friendly town and a perfect place to spend summers. Everything was excellent the first year or so of living there, and then we began to hear whispers around town about the legend of what I was supposed to believe was the Gator Man. We figured it was some form of hazing that people did to new people in town and brushed it off. On the 4th of July, the town had fireworks, and about 12 of us decided to sit on the sand to view them. Our street had access to a private beach, so we were the only ones there that night. Everyone else was on the public side of the beach in the distance. My cousins and I were having a great time, actually, dancing to the music and just goofing off in general. Then, we hear something coming towards us in the distance. It's a low growling sound. We stare, but we don't see much because it's very dark along the water. Either way, there's a big group of us, so we weren't too terribly threatened by it. At this point, the crickets stopped chirping, and any voices in the distance became muted. Even the waves of Lake Huron seemed to hush. It became dead silent. My cousin Kurt points toward a low growling sound, and he says that there were two yellow glowing eyes growing in size as something was coming towards us. The loud crash of fireworks pulled our attention away from whatever it was, and when we looked back, it was seemingly gone. We began watching the fireworks show and soon forgot all about it. Our attention is pulled away from the fireworks as sand flies over our heads from behind us. All of us whip our heads around to see it. A figure of a man stands in the dark. Only once the flash of fireworks illuminates him enough to see what he truly is. His skin seemed to glow in the light. He looked skinny, almost scaly. We couldn't get a great look at him because of our light source. It was flashing in and out, of course. The grand finale of the fireworks began and we glanced away for just a split second. And suddenly, a splash of the water happened. This weird man was gone. After the fireworks show ended, 
we all decided this was pretty creepy and didn't stay at the beach for much longer. I tried to rationalize how he looked in the light, and maybe just thought he had a nasty sunburn or some sort of, uh, I don't know, skin burns or something like that. The following day, we headed back to the beach to look for any evidence that could bring some sense to the situation, and just to be safe, we got our dog with us. What we found made our skin crawl. Leading from the sand to the water was what I could only describe as gator tracks. But here's the kicker. A piece of driftwood was floating in the water next to where the tracks led, and it looked to have some sort of odd scratches and bite marks on it. I moved to get a closer look, and my dog instantly began growling and refused to walk any closer. This made me uncomfortable enough to listen and to head back to the house as fast as possible and get as far away from these tracks as I could. That night, my cousin and I decided to go back to the beach for an evening swim, but mostly to look for the gator man. I now understand that this wasn't the brightest idea, but we were bored and wanted to figure this thing out. We reached the sand, using our phone flashlights to look for any sort of evidence, but we didn't find anything interesting, so we swam in the water. We were in the water until our cousin felt something brush up against her leg. As our initial shock was settling in, our eyes began adjusting to the dark water. We saw some air bubbles and immediately felt the tension in the air. A tall figure slowly emerges from the water in the moon's light. Those same yellow glowing eyes met mine for a not so appreciated second time. He was angry and we needed to leave this water. We knew immediately this was, this was his beach and he had the upper hand especially in the water. We booked it back to the house, never looking back to see if it was following us. I still can't visit that beach to this day. I still see those glowing yellow eyes when I close my own. I don't know what the Michigan Gator Man wants, but I feel sorry for those who find out. Mississippi Dog Man by Pam M. Hey Swamp Dweller, my name is Pam. I live on the northeast corner of Mississippi, less than 10 miles from the Tennessee and Alabama state lines, and 70 miles from the infamous Taylor, Mississippi. My granddaughter, who is 11 years old, had an encounter with the cryptid a few months ago. Let me describe what happened and what she witnessed. Sometime around 11 p.m., we returned home from the county fair here in Alcorn County, Mississippi. My home is approximately six miles from town in a relatively rural area containing lakes, trees, and fields used for anything from tomatoes to soybeans and even cotton. My land is almost 20 acres. We have our home, a barn, a shed, and a lake about 200 yards from my house. The rest is trees and a few cleared out pieces. Anyway, back to Saturday night. My granddaughter, A, decided to walk outside to find her kitty before she went to bed. My husband and I were already in bed, and why she went out without waking one of us shocked me, but she didn't wake any of us up. She didn't even wake us up when she returned after seeing this thing. She did get in bed with us and slept with us that night and the next night. However, the following day, while fixing breakfast, she walked into the kitchen and said, Mama Pam, Y'all have some kind of strange dog out there. I asked her what she was talking about, and here is her answer. 
When I went outside to find Kitty, I started walking to the front yard and saw something huge and white. I thought it was a dog, but when I got closer, it looked more like an old, bad, skinny grandpa. He was walking on his hands and legs, and then it got up on its back two legs. It looked around and it saw me, then it ran toward the barn. Mama Pam, I ain't never seen anything run that fast. I asked her if she had seen the face of this thing, but she told me that she did not. She didn't get to see it long enough to see any real features. She said it only looked toward her for just a few seconds, and it was too dark to make out any discernible facial features besides that it was bald. I know my eyes were as big as saucers. I knew what she had seen wasn't anything from around here. She told me it was very skinny and again bald, and it looked like it had trouble even walking on all fours, making it hard for her to believe that it could run so fast. She said on all fours it was jerky, but it wasn't like that when it was on just two legs. I told them I thought it was a crawler and could not believe she didn't come screaming for me and my husband to wake up. She said at the time, and in her 11-year-old mind, she didn't consider it harmful because it was frail and seemed to have such a hard time walking. But she did say that when it took off toward the barn, it was a lightning fast. She said that's when she got nervous. She returned to bed with my husband and me when she saw how fast it actually was. I know she's telling me the truth because she's never been exposed to anything that would even remotely give her an idea for this story. Not to mention, she doesn't really lie to be honest, and she slept with me and my husband for the next few nights as well. She's really not a kid to make up things. She's down to earth, a cheerleader, a soccer player, a softball player, and an all-around, well-rounded kid. I hope somebody listening to this in the swamp can answer these following questions. Have any of you ever heard these creatures anywhere else around Mississippi, Tennessee, or the Alabama areas? She has a four-wheeler, a bicycle, and does a lot of outdoor activities. I'm scared to let her go do those now. Are we in danger? Thanks for sharing my story. Too afraid to go out outside by myself now as well. Something Stalked Our Campsite By M. J. Hello Swamp Dweller and anyone who may be listening to this. I am a long-time listener, but this is the first story I have ever submitted. It has bothered and spooked me for almost a year now, and I would love any input that anyone has on it. Last year, around June, I was camping in the middle of nowhere Arkansas, with my boyfriend James and his friend Lane. We were generally having a good time hanging by the creek, building a fire, and listening to groovy tunes. We continued to hang out into the night, and were all partaking in some drinking. This makes the next part of the story seem unbelievable, but trust me, it was just as incredible to us at the time, and we were there. We were all sitting around the fire, when James and Lane spotted a small fire off in the distance. This was strange since we hadn't noticed anyone camping nearby all day. We ignored it for a bit and continued having a good time until we all went to sleep around midnight. I remember waking up sometime a little bit later feeling immediately confused and frozen with fear. It was still dark. I turned to James who was already sitting up and listening intently. I heard sticks cracking just outside the tree line, just outside of the tent. I realized that there was either a person or some sort of creature walking around outside. Couldn't tell you if it was a bear or a wendigo or some sort of freaking spaghetti monster. 
All I know is that we sat up, frozen in silence, and unsure if we should be afraid or not. Suddenly, I heard someone attempt to open my car door. It was locked. I heard two distinct pulls on the handle, and then an urgent whispering. James and I froze. We thought it had to be people at this point, and Lane was alone in his tent about 15 feet away. We sat waiting for whoever this was to leave, with bated breath. I was terrified, because of what happened next. I swear, these voices, they sounded human, but the way they were going back and forth almost made them sound ethereal. This was, this was something weird. The whispers initially started with things like, this was a bust and these guys didn't have anything suitable to steal or something along those lines. Then, we heard a third voice come out of nowhere saying, maybe we check the tents. Frozen in fear again, we waited as long as we could, in full anxiety mode. My mind was relieved that I heard their heavy footsteps approaching the fire that we had seen earlier. Now you might be wondering why I'm sending this in under the cryptic category. Well, that's because in the morning, when we looked out to see if there was any sort of footprints or anything like that, there were none. No footprints, no feet prints, no shoe prints, nothing. Also, when I said that the voices sounded ethereal, it almost sounded like they were whispering right in our ears, but somehow we could hear them all the way across to where our car was. And on top of that, we did hear a lot of rumors about, you know, gnomes, fairies, trolls, all sorts of weird things that are said to roam these sorts of areas. So maybe it was something like that. Or maybe it was just a band of thieves who were incredibly light-footed. I couldn't tell you. What I can say is, though, we were all super freaked out, since those people, creatures, or whatever could have severely hurt us if they wanted to. But we were relieved that they thought of our stuff as worthless or whatever. We decided we would not be camping anytime soon in that area, though. That wasn't a bear. By Anonymous. It was Friday, and I had nothing to really do, so I went around town to find anything to entertain myself, until I saw in the community hall type of building a flyer on their board that stated, Firewatch needed from ages 16 to 50 plus, at Anonymous Forest for Privacy. I took a little card with the number on them and hurried home to tell my parents about it. They were ecstatic for me because the pay was also a lot judging by the number of days I had to work. On the first day of work, I was told to meet at a little house where they would give me a run-through. I was also told that if I received calls from hikers that talked about some sort of goat man to ignore it because there was always a group of teenagers trying to start rumors. But if a hiker called me and said that they were lost, and I have to turn on the set of headlights to lead the hiker towards me. Still, if he was in serious trouble, I could find a page in the manual about how to deal with a particular situation. I couldn't have the headlights on for too long because of budget problems. I was met with a big plastic box with MRE food when I reached the tower. Now that I got that out of the way, let me start with the story itself. They allowed me to have my phone for obvious reasons, so I had access to what time it was and all those good things. Most of the time I just stayed in bed, 
They prepared me with my phone on low volume, so if I heard anything, the sound of the cell phone wouldn't bother the sound of a phone call because the station was used for long distance and had a low ringtone. As soon as the time was midnight, my parents called me on my cell phone. They sounded very excited, and we talked for about 30 minutes before hanging up. As soon as I hung up, a shiver went down my spine as I heard the awkwardness of the silence I was greeted with. I was going to think about taking a nap on the bed or something, but as soon as I did, the phone rang. I answered at 1.23am to a very distressed sounding man, as it sounded like he was in a very, very quick hurry. He told me, Yes, hello? I think I'm being chased by a bear. I said, Tell me your location and maybe I can direct you towards me. He said with a more distressed tone now, There's a lot of rocks around the trail and, uh... I interrupted the man to tell him to lower his style and calm down. Right, yeah, sorry, uh, these rocks around the trail and I think, I think I see a climbing wall. I looked at the map and saw the man was relatively close to my tower. So I turned on the headlights that were directed on the direction towards him and asked him if he saw them. He said, Yeah, I see them. Still, that's the direction the bear was coming from. It was like he was trying to lead me away from the tower. I flipped the manual and found the right answer. I told the man, Okay, sir, there should be a small gun in the lodge where you get the climbing gear. Can you see the lodge? The man said with a slightly more happy tone, Oh, yeah, thanks. He found the gun. He made his way quietly as possible to the tower. But suddenly, the headlights went out. I heard him say, Oh, hell. And I heard him on the call running for his life out of nowhere. It's not a bear. It's not a bear. Help. After he said that, I heard two gunshots outside the tower. I said, Hello? Sir, are you there? Then I heard a loud static sound from the phone before it hung up abruptly. I knew it was after me next. So I ran with the heaviest thing I could find to block the stairway and barricaded the door. I sat in the corner of the room with the rifle and ammunition that was prepared for me. I sat there for five minutes until I heard scratching on the bottom of the tower. For the record, this tower was made from thin, rusty bars. So it was easy to hear anything that was scratching at the base of the building. I stayed there until daytime. I quit immediately and swore to never go there ever again. I've never heard anything about that. I don't know whatever happened to that hiker, but I don't think I want to know. Skinwalker or Not Deer by Anonymous This took place just a few years ago. I was in my late teens driving home at about 10pm. This was a typical shift for me, and I was not too tired. I know exactly what I saw that night. I live somewhat out in the country, far enough to be on septic, but close enough to be on the county's water system. It was not irregular to see wildlife at night. Elk, deer, barn cats, and even occasionally dogs. I've been living here for quite a few years at this point. During this specific time, one neighbor had a bad habit of letting his dog run free on the side of the road. I love animals, so I would always pull over and call the number on his collar and get him back to his owner. Anyways, I am driving home. I'm nearly about one block away and maybe three turns total from my house. I see this figure out of the corner of my eye. It looks like a medium-sized dog at first. I roll down my window, turn down my music, and start calling out to this dog. Hey, sweetie, come here. It seemed very shy, as it would not look at me, and its body language was very timid. I kept trying to speak sweetly to it to let it know that I was not a threat. It looked a little skinny, seemed to have short gray hair. I really wanted to see if I could help it, maybe find its owner or get it somewhere safe and fed. It finally responds to my sweet talk and turns to face me. 
my stomach instantly dropped. This is probably going to sound crazy, but it had a human face. The best way I could describe it was that of a Teletubby. I really wish there was another way to describe it for the sake of my credibility, but it just had no distinctive features, and its head was still shaped like a dog. It did not make any faces, any noises, and it did not speak either. I was so taken aback and surprised that I screamed, what the hell, and sped off. I was even more scared because my house has a gate that I need to open to get inside, and I did not know if this thing was following me or anything. I never did look back, and it did not appear to be chasing me after when I sped off. I feel bad about it to this day. I wish I did not react the way I did, but I do not know if I was in danger or what. Seeing something like that, something you cannot explain is the hardest thing to try and express via text. I do not know how to further explain it, but I really cannot stress enough how it did not make any facial expressions, noises, speech, or anything. At the end of the day, I was the one going out of my way to mess with it, and I was out of pocket in doing so. I have not seen the thing since. I just honestly wish I could change how I reacted, and I really wonder about it all the time. I did some mild internet research afterwards, and I have not been able to find any experiences that resemble exactly what I saw that night, and it's really making me feel nuts. Maybe it was something slightly different than a skimwalker, but that's the closest thing that I can think of. The Horse-Faced Skimwalker by Michael M. There's a logical explanation for everything. Well, that's what my father always said. Of course, he doesn't know what happened to me and my buddies while camping nine years ago. Why should he? Adults and most especially parents mistake traumatic events as an overwhelming experience for your age. Or something that your brain can't handle. Or simple imagination. But what happened to me those years ago still scares me to this very day, and it was no imagination. I had just graduated high school, and me and my friends were about to go our separate ways in life. It just felt too soon. They were already talking about careers and colleges, and this scared me because of the thoughts of never seeing them again were very overwhelming. So, when I suggested the thought of a week-long camping trip for one last get-together, they all said yes. We would usually camp in the woods near glacier-filled lakes deep in the wilderness, but for the last get-together I wanted to do something special. We were going to try camping in a section of land known as Sand Wash. Sand Wash is a large extension of land mostly consisting of desert that stretches over the border of Colorado and Wyoming. In the wintertime, Sand Wash was a cold, harsh environment that would chill you to the bone. But the summer was a whole different world. It was, well, just picture desert, I guess. In the summertime, and you got the picture. We graduated early in the summer, so we still had some time before the hot temperatures rolled in. Sand wash was beautiful. The red-colored rock and the pattern of wild horses give it a vibe like no other place that I have ever camped. We spent a while planning the trip from how much food we needed to exactly where we would be camping. The stay would be for around a week if not five days, which would mean we were going to have to pack a lot. After packing and deciding the spot where we would set up camp, we set off to Sandwash. Sandwash was not too far from where we lived. It was only around a two-hour drive, and the roads were easy enough to navigate. Once you hear the bussing of dirt bikes and all that good stuff, you know that you're not too far away. Then, you start seeing the greenish-blue sagebrush, and you know you're getting very close. It was me and my three other friends, 
and for privacy reasons, I'll be calling them Jack, Ryan, and Jacob. All four of us inched closer and closer to the gate that separated us from the country in Sandwash. So, I stepped out of the car while everyone else waited, and I undid the metal crate. Then I hopped back into the truck and drove into the desert. The roads were extremely rough, almost like they haven't been used or have been overused. We could hear all the stuff in the trailer bumping around and shuffling around due to the massive rocks and bumps in the road. Everyone was doing that thing five-year-old kids do when their parents drive over bumpy roads. They make that annoying vocal noise that goes up and down. I thought it was childish at first, but then I eventually found myself joining along. We had reached the turnoff on the dirt road that led us to the site we were camping at. This road took us very far from the main road and even closer to the border of Wyoming. The road didn't look too bad. There were some divots in the road, but nothing worse than the one we had just driven on. So, I made the gentle swerve onto that road toward our campsite. After an hour of driving, we could start to see our campsite in the distance. It was situated in the side of a small sand and mud-covered mountain that had a clearing wiped clean of sagebrush and rocks. After driving closer and closer, we noticed a foul stench that grew stronger and stronger. It smelled like a rotting carcass that has been stuck in the sun all day. Jacob, whose eyes were watering at this point, started gagging because of how strong the aroma had become. The stench was so strong that all of us started gagging as well. Now the smell was most likely the rotting body of an antelope or something like that. The desert here doesn't get too much water, so I could comprehend the possibility of a dead dehydrated antelope. So I just stuck with that and thought that that's what it was. I thought it would go away once we reached the campsite. After three and a half hours of a bumpy and stench-filled drive, we made it to the site. It was smaller than the pictures looked, but it had enough room for all of us. Without a single word, Ryan opened the trailer and was quickly buried by the misplaced objects that were thrown around while driving. Instead of helping him, we just stood there laughing our asses off because of how stupid he looked. I think he even cracked a smile despite being underneath the grill. Eventually, we all got our cool and started helping him out of the mess and started laying everything out. Our tents were spaced out about four feet apart to where we wouldn't be able to hear each other snoring. At around 5.30, we had unpacked and were already getting dinner ready. We were eating smoked barbecue ribs for dinner, which the stench of made our mouths water. We kept all the food that we needed preserved in a suitcase-sized cooler that weighed roughly 70 pounds with ice in them. Soon, there was no sound and light, except the lanterns and Christmas lights we had hung around our campsite and the old wireless radio we had. We all sat around the campfire telling stories and figuring out what we were going to do with our lives. After eating, which filled us up plenty, I told Jack, who was also the chef and in charge of food, to put the ribs in the cooler and put the ribs away in the trailer. He said all right with a boozy and drunk tone in his voice, even though we didn't bring any alcohol with us. So, we all got in our tents and said goodnight to each other. Weapon-wise, all I brought was a 22. I didn't want anything really crazy, but I also wanted something for protection, you know? And a 22, regardless of what anybody says, will take you down if you get a good shot in you. Ryan did see me packing it, though, and asked what it was for, and I, of course, told him. And he replied, So, if we get bored, we can shoot some gophers or something? I said in a playful but decent tone, but I was lying, if, and he knew it, too. When I woke up during the night, I felt like I was drowning. It was like the air was being sucked out of my body. 
and when I smelt that god-awful rotting corpse smell, but ten times as strong, I started vomiting and gagging due to the stink it gave off. I could hear everyone else puking inside their tents as well, but what scared me even more was the sound of ice being poured on the ground. The cooler, somebody said. It's a goddamn coyote! I clenched my fist with the rage of Jack not putting the cooler away like we asked, and just like that our camping trip is ruined. I slept next to the 22 and stuck it out the small hole in the tent. I had a blind shot, so I stuck the barrel in the air and fired a warning shot. I heard footsteps scurrying away. I knew it left. What really scared me is that the footsteps sounded bipedal. It means whatever it was must have been walking on two legs, and it sounded heavy. Each footstep could be felt in my chest. It sent shivers through my spine. I just haven't experienced anything like it before, or since. I jumped out of my tent to see nothing but blackness and firelight illuminating the empty cooler before us. I don't remember what the hell happened. All I remember is sitting there staring into the desert. Ryan and Jacob were both yelling profanities at Jack, and I just sat there speechless, just wondering what the hell had broken into our campsite. A human wouldn't eat raw ribs fresh out of the cooler and certainly wouldn't walk away towards an active campsite and steal from someone. So, what were we dealing with? The next morning, we checked the damage to see nothing but the spilled ice now a puddle on the ground. We left that to Jack, but me and Ryan were talking about what happened last night. We came up with some theories, but decided that it was probably gone and not coming back knowing that we have a weapon. So, I mostly forgot about it, and we just went back to exploring our area and horsing around. We played cards and made sandwiches for lunch, and scouted the area. Eventually we saw the sun sinking below the horizon, so Jack fired up the grill and started getting dinner ready. We sat down and started playing a bunch of songs by Glen Campbell. Everyone else seemed relaxed but me. I had an uneasy feeling that I was being watched, but I couldn't tell from what it was. But then, we heard the coyotes. Their graceful howl always calmed me down. Their yapping at each other and their howling for whatever reason was calming to me. But then, one of the coyotes made a completely different noise. It sounded as if it were being ripped apart, limb by limb, eye by eye. Just the most brutal noise imaginable. It was the noise of suffering and pain. It made us drop our forks and wonder what just happened. We heard one more scream from the coyote and then complete silence. The silence was the worst part. No noise at all. This desert was dead silent. All you could hear was the cackle of our fire. It was as if someone muted everything around us. There was something wrong with the desert and we all knew it. We lost our appetites. The thought that something could rip apart an animal like that just didn't sit right. If it could rip apart a coyote, well imagine what it could do to us. Suddenly, I didn't feel safe at all, like the 22 in my tent wouldn't be enough. Jacob was on the verge of tears. I have never seen anyone so scared before. We sat there, just listening to any noise, but there was nothing. Just silence. So, we decided to sleep it off and wait for daylight. I awoke again with the feeling of drowning. The powerful stench was too much to bear, so I took it out on puking. It was that thing looking for food once again. I figured that if this thing would return to our campsite, it must be related to the coyotes we had heard being ripped apart earlier. I wanted to see it, 
but I didn't want to stick my head out of the tent and be stuck with a mental regret for whatever I would see. But I decided it couldn't be too bad, so I unzipped the small window of the tent and froze in horror. It, it was a man, but as my eyes adjusted and it came closer to the firelight, did I really understand? It was no man. The skin was pale with bare spots of exposed flesh. It looked extremely malnourished and skinny. It had a long streak of dark brown hair running down its spine. Its fingers were each around the size of a pencil and just as thin. But the face... The face is what struck me the hardest. It looked like the face of a man, but stretched out and elongated like the face of a horse but with the details of a man's face. It was pure evil. The way it moved, the way it looked, as if it were uncomfortable in its own body, an amalgamation of everything you would expect to see in hell. Almost like every time it moved, it broke a bone in its body. It was tall. Very tall. At least ten feet tall. I was no further than four feet away from it. My heart was beating faster than it ever has in my entire life. I was crying, sobbing like a baby. After snapping myself out of the shock I was in, I slowly bent down to grab the twenty-two, knowing if I miss it will see me, and there's no telling what could possibly happen next. I was shaking so bad I had to press the gun against my chest to get a steady aim. I slowly unzipped the tent window zipper and fired. I hit it all right. It stood up and ran into the desert, on two feet. It scared the living crap out of me. I was not going to step out of that tent. There was no way in hell. What if it came back? What if it ripped open my tent and ran off with me in its grasp? And then... came the scream. It was horrible. The sound came from all directions, blowing out my eardrums almost. It sounded like someone was trying to make a woman scream, but out of the tune of a violin. It hurt my ears more than anything I've ever heard. There was no sleeping that night. I was wide awake, fully alert to anything and any sound that came by. But nothing further happened. Nothing at all. I was so scared that even in daylight, I was scared to step out of my tent. Everyone else looked sleep-deprived and scared for their lives. I figured they saw it too, but I didn't want to ask them. So we packed faster than we ever had before. No one said a single word for the entire drive through the sand wash. But when I stopped to pee, I started to smell that foul aroma that covered whatever that thing was. I didn't have any time to pee, and I just decided to hold it. We drove back to the paved road, which felt great because we knew we were out of there for good. On our way back, we stopped at a gas station to grab some food and use the restroom. I walked up to the cashier and she asked me if I was okay. I didn't say anything but wondered why she asked. It was because my hand was still shaking so badly. She must have thought I had Parkinson's or something. Upon making it home to my parents, and they asked me why we came back so early, I told them that there was... There was just some stuff that went down. You know, there was too many bugs and too many people in the site, even though it was rather remote. I don't know. I just didn't want to tell them about our encounter. I don't know what I encountered... A skinwalker, maybe? But I'm not going back to find out. I've never told my story before because I thought no one would believe me. But after discovering your show, I wanted to submit my story so other people can hear it without me telling them. Me and those friends meet up every now and then. 
but that is something we specifically avoid. We refuse to ever talk about it. It's something that still scares us. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true cryptid encounter horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. As always, if you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to slap that like button as it helps me out a ton. The more likes this episode gets, the more YouTube promotes it to fresh new eyes and that helps the swamp grow its ever-expanding waters. If you're new to the swamp, be sure to subscribe and turn on notifications as I upload videos multiple times a week on all things natural and supernatural. We are very, very close to 300,000 swamp dwellers and that would be really cool to hit by the end of the summer, so definitely be sure to slap that little red button. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. You can also submit them on reddit at r slash the dark swamp. I would love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. If you made it all the way to the end, I'd love to know what story was your favorite tonight. It helps me pick better stories in the future. Also, if you made it to the end, be sure to comment the code word neon drill to confuse anyone who didn't make it to the end. The funniest comment using that word will be pinned at the top. Thank you guys so much for supporting the swamp the way you do. Be sure to check out the merch store, it helps. Be sure to check out Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, all the cool stuff that we have with the Swamp Dweller outside of YouTube. And I'll see you all soon with another creepy episode.